This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about how to prepare for a positive birth. Now, I think the important thing about thinking about a positive birth, it doesn't mean that your birth is going to look exactly how you envision, because most of the time there's some, some twists and turns, and there's no idealized way that one should birth. A positive birth is about how you feel after the birth, how you are made to feel by the folks there. So we're going to talk about the importance of education, the importance of understanding expectations. We're going to talk about making sure if you're partnered, how your partner is on board and how your full birth team is there to support you and how you need to be embraced during your birth experience. So to have this conversation, I have Moran Liviani. You might know her from her Instagram account, Two Life Doula. Um, she has a beautiful account. If you haven't seen it, check it out. So let me tell you a little bit about Moran. She is a birth doula, a Lamaze childbirth educator, a hypnobirthing practitioner, and a placental encapsulation specialist. She has been working with families in birth for 11 years now and is passionate about helping new parents walk away from their birth feeling truly transformed and empowered. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Moran. We're very aligned in the understanding of how birth can really transform people, how it can also traumatize people, and how we think that if the people around you can really hold the space for you, how no matter what is happening, the twists and turns, that you can emerge feeling really positive about that birth experience. So I think you're going to get a lot of very practical and inspiring information from this podcast. Now, before I jump into this conversation with Moran, I just want to give some updates about PYC. So as I recorded this, we just hit our 21st birthday. I can't believe it. I have to tell you, I still remember the day I got the keys for our original studio. We've moved since then to a studio down the street and it was a five-year lease. And I so clearly remember thinking, I doubt I'm even going to be here at the end of this five years, but okay, let's get started. And I remember putting the key in the door is this big brown door and opening it up to this very beautiful, small sun-soaked room with these high ceilings. It was amazing to think how things have changed my own journey. It's again, it's been 21 years. I've had quite a few things happen in this time and the amazing lives we have touched during this time. We've had over 22,000 students, families come through our center. It is an 
honor and a joy to have been part of so many lives. And things continue to expand. Ever since going online with all our classes, our community has grown by leaps and bounds. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for those that have entrusted us along this path. And thank you for those that continue to walk this path with us. We've got classes in studio, online, on demand. We've got a huge on-demand library. So between prenatal, postnatal, baby and me, childbirth, ed, lactation prep, newborn care, we've got it all to support you on this huge perinatal adventure that you're on. And then the last thing I just want to remind everybody of, so yes, of course we serve new and expectant parents, but we also support yoga teachers who want to take the next steps in their education and become prenatal yoga teachers. So if that resonates with you and you want to take a very deep dive into a very thorough training to feel prepared to support the perinatal community, check out our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and learn all about how we can work together. Okay, that is enough of me. We're going to take a super quick break and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Moran. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Moran. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm always about full transparency. So for folks out there, this yeah. is kind of late in the evening for me. So ah, I'm really excited though to chat with you. Um, yeah. So I want to get to know you a little because I've seen you on Instagram, which is an incredible account that you have. You really put out great work. So I feel like in a way, because I've been following you for so long, I have a little sense of you, but I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So why don't you yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into birth work. Okay. Well, um, so my name is Moran. I kind of got into birth work truly by accident, I think. Um, basically, I had my first baby girl about 19 years ago. And when I was pregnant with her, I really didn't know much about pregnancy and birth. I knew that I wanted to kind of have natural experience, but I really didn't kind of seek out what that meant. And so we were kind of just doing what everybody kind of does. And just when I found out I was pregnant, I went to the GP um, and just basically said, I just want to confirm it with a blood test. And it was confirmed. And then he said to me, well, here's a list of some obstetricians and me kind of being um, kind of, you know, the, in our religious background as a, as a Jewish girl, you kind of pick the Jewish doctor. So I went mm-hmm. ahead and I just picked the Jewish name from the list and I was like, okay, he might be good. So, um, <laughs> and I just, that's literally how I picked it. I just went and picked the name and I went to see this obstetrician and he was just not really attentive. It was, I really kind of sat in the waiting room more than I actually saw the guy. And it was just very kind of very formal, just doing all the observations and kind of saying, well, I'll see you again in a month or two weeks and whatever it was at the time. And then, um, again, I really didn't seek out anything during the pregnancy. I didn't go to childbirth education classes. I didn't do any sort of like, uh, did you stick with him as your OB? I did. I thought that was normal because there were so many people in the waiting room. I thought, well, this guy must be really good. Like everyone's coming to him. And like, it just, 
I thought that based on the type of people and the amount of people that were waiting for him, he was really sought after and he must have been really, really good. And that's the only kind of review that I was kind of looking for uh, as kind of an affirmation for me that I picked the right guy, which was, as I know today, not exactly the way to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just went with the flow. I was kind of, let's go with the flow. You know, the doctor knows what he's doing. I really have no idea what I'm doing and I might as well pick somebody who does. And so I bought one book during pregnancy and it was what to expect when you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the worst book ever, in my opinion. (laughs) It just did not give me any sort of tools. It's like the book of fear. It is. It's like the book (laughs) of fear. And it's, it really just focused on developmentally what was happening to the baby, what was happening kind of physiologically in the woman's body, but not really delving into kind of the tools or what really happens in the woman's body holistically. And so I really didn't get anything out of that book, but rather like, oh, my baby's not a pea right now. It's now a grapefruit. And (laughs) And so as the day came near to the birthing day, um, I saw my OB and he had an appointment with me. I think it was around like 38 weeks. And he said to me, well, listen, Moran, if you don't go into labor by 40 weeks, um, that I've booked you in for an induction. And so I was like, oh, well, okay. I kind of thought, okay, well, I guess he knows what he's doing. And I was quite young. I was, um, 24 at the time. And, and I was like, okay, well, I guess this is just how you do things. And so I was really frightened though. I remember feeling a really sense of kind of real dread about it, but really not knowing what that meant and really kind of not listening to my intuition. And so Thankfully, I spontaneously went into labor two days before my estimated due date. And the first contraction that I had, I was absolutely horrifically mortified. I wanted the whole thing to stop. And it was just like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not ready to be a mother. What have I done? It was just a real sense of fighting with my head. And I just really didn't want to go through it. And it was more a battle of the mind than it was a battle of what was happening in my body physically. And so I made my husband call the hospital and ask them if I could have a cesarean. And um, my husband did. He rang the hospital and asked him, asked, spoke to the midwife and asked her if I could have a cesarean. And the midwife said, um, like, you know, we don't offer cesarean as a method of pain relief. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> I actually have to go through this. So then um, I went through two days of labor with her. Uh, and I truly, honestly believe that I went through that long of the labor because I was just mentally fighting my body and every single thing that I was feeling. And so by the end of it, I got the full cascade of intervention with, um, you know, going on epidural, having Cinto, eventually having forceps and, you know, episiotomy and all that comes with it. And by the end of it, when my doctor kind of delivered her and handed her over to me, I felt completely numb. And I was like, holy shit, like, is that what birth is? Like, I, I really didn't get it. And I remember um, eventually when she was kind of like in the bassinet and stuff, and I said to my husband, adore her because she's the last biological child we are ever having together. <laughs> this is not happening again. And so it really kind of, it really kind of bothered me in a huge way because I felt like, I felt like what was wrong with me how was I so weak 
to not be able to go through this and not want to have any more children. And all these women were having these multitude of kids. And like, I remember going with her to the park for a walk, you know, when she was kind of four months old or whatever. And seeing mothers with like two, three children. And I was like, what is wrong with these women that they're going back for more? Like, how can they go through this again and again? I just did not get it. And so um, I had lots of postnatal anxiety, which really took over my life. And I had um, definitely a little bit of postnatal depression just from constantly feeling anxious. And the birth was quite traumatic in my mind. And I just couldn't couldn't find a way to articulate what I was feeling. And so um, we decided at that point not to discuss having any more kids. And so I actually came from a family of three and I always wanted to have lots of kids in the house and lots of noise and that livelihood and stuff like that. And it kind of, it really kind of got to me that I wasn't able to do that. And so a few years went by and like my daughter was about three, three and a half kind of thing. And I said, oh, well, I think I'm ready to try again. I think I'm ready. So at that point we moved, we were living, um, when my first baby girl, we were living in Sydney and then we moved to Gold Coast and I kind of surrounded myself with more kind of like-minded women. And at the time, one of my friends said to me, why don't you try and get a doula for, for your next baby? And so I was like, what's a doula? I had no idea what a doula was. And so I, it wasn't at the time of Google where you could just like look everything up. So I had to actually research what a doula was. And so I did, and it sounded like everything I ever wanted. I wanted to have that person there who knows birth, can normalize it in my eyes, who is able to get to know me and know also the things that would trigger me in labor and be there to hold my hand and guide me as someone who's been there before, you know what I mean? And that was really, really important to me more than anything else. And so I wanted somebody there to be for, for me and my partner. And so I spoke to that doula once um, we got pregnant and, um, and I hired her and she was absolutely amazing. And so the, the only thing I did in my second pregnancy that I did with my first is that again, I booked an obstetrician and I think the reason that when I look kind of in hindsight, the reason that I kind of booked an obstetrician at that point was because I just wanted that safety blanket of what, oh, okay, well, what if you fail kind of thing? What if you kind of like, you, you can't do this kind of thing. And so uh, for me, that was kind of my safety blanket. And I remember at one of my appointments with him, he gave me, um, he kind of put across the table, like a, a consent form to get an epidural. Um, and I was like, I said to him, no, I'm not going to get an epidural this time. I'm going to have a completely natural birth. And he gave a little chuckle and he said, you know, women in labor, they change their minds all the time. And, and I was like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to change my mind. And if I do, I know what an epidural is. I've had one before. I'm happy to sign one on the day. And so he kind of put it away and, and let that go. And so, um, I did all the mental preparation that I could during that pregnancy. And I was totally on board with all the things that I wanted. I discussed all the things that I wanted with my doula and with my husband. And we were all on the same page with what I wanted for this birth and what could possibly come up for me from the last birth. So that it wasn't something that would be an obstacle. And so 
with my second, I went into labor in the middle of the night. And I remember that first sensation of that contraction because it reminded me of my first. And But this time, because I did all that kind of pre-work, I actually felt excitement instead of fear. And so when as things kind of went along during the night, I just went back to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I remember they were kind of got intensifying a little bit more. But my hubby and I went for a, a walk um, we were living near the Broadwater and we kind of went a walk over the bridge into the Broadwater and then went to a cafe. I remember eating a croissant while having a, a contraction. It was just like a beautiful day. And so, um, as things started to even more intensify, I rang and got my doula there and she was with me. And then my, my waters broke and, um, she said to me at that point, listen, we should head into the hospital. And I said to her, um, I don't think I want to go to the hospital. I think I want to have this baby at home. And so um, I said to her, can you fill up my bathtub? I want to have her at home. And so I got into the bathtub and then I birthed her in the bathtub um, just with the doula and my husband there. And it was the most amazing experience ever. I could have had a baby a week later. I felt that great. It was just, it was me rediscovering my strength and it was me kind of, uh, kind of feeling my own power again, which I kind of lost in that first birth. And it wasn't just about kind of showing myself what physically I can do it was more about what I could mentally do and what I can mentally mm-hmm. overcome. And it totally changed my life. And I was like, Oh, that little spark in me was like, I, I think I want to do this. Like I want to be that person for other people to normalize that experience for them. And and show them that they don't have to have this traumatic birth. They could have this amazing experience the first time around. And so it kind of sparked something in me. And then with my third, I had my doula again and she was just absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, and that's when I started, when my daughter, my third daughter was born, I started um, studying to be a doula. And then when she was kind of one, I uh, started attending births and I've been doing it ever since. So it's been like 11 years now. And yeah, it's a work of passion for sure. <laughs> Do you think that your what was your doula's reaction? You're like, okay, we're not going to the hospital. Change of plans. Yeah, like what should you be like? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. So I I knew that my doula, which I don't do, she attended um, what's called free birth, so where you don't have a medical person right. um, in attendance. Um, and sh- I knew in the back of my mind that she did attend. I never planned to do that myself ever because that is so not me. I'm very, I like order things. I'm very in control of things and um, I'm a total planner. So for me to say that, it was just, I felt so good in this space. And she looked at me and it, there was no kind of uncertainty. There was no doubt. There was nothing in her eyes that made me think that I wasn't safe. And so she just went along with it and she just did it. And it was just incredible. So I absolutely loved your birth stories. And what I think it's so important is our whole topic today is how to prepare for a positive birth. Yeah. And so authentic that you had what unfortunately sounded like a pretty traumatic birth, but then took it into your own hands to change the narrative for your next two births. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's, um, I think a lot of women, like most women that I kind of guide through their second pregnancies have unfortunately had quite a similar experience to mine. So it kind of lets me, especially in doing this for a number of years, lets me relate to them and, mm-hmm. and not just be able to kind of go, yeah, I understand without actually having 
have had that experience myself, which gives me a good kind of insight into what they're feeling. So, which is, yeah. is great. So let's dive into that. Let's talk yeah. about how to prepare for a positive birth. So as a doula, and I believe also hypnobirthing teacher, correct? Yeah. And yeah. childbirth educator. Because yeah. I remember looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman has a lot of serve. I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, let's get all the certifications, let's do all the learning. So, <laughs> which I, it's a little bit like a birth junkie. So where do you start? helping clients prepare for their upcoming births? Yeah. So initially when I meet clients for the first time, the first and most important thing for me is kind of learning who they are and what their history is. So a lot of the times they'll come from a history where um, either their mom has told them her birth stories or um, they'll have siblings who've had kind of either good or bad experiences. And even for me, it's really important to know what the birth stories are from the side of the dad, um, just to kind of know what what kind of their history is so that I know how to work with them. So, mm-hmm. um, and that makes a huge difference to how they look at birth and what they want the outcome to be as well. So getting to know them is really, really important. And then kind of getting to know where their ideal birth is, because as much as we as doulas want this physiological experience for them to have this kind of natural intervention free or minimal intervention birth, some of some women just want that experience of I just want to be able to go in on a certain day or have this certain medication or whatever the case may be. And that's okay too. So I don't want them to feel guilty for wanting this or that. Cause at the end of the day, I truly believe that a positive birth experience is an experience where the parents had full autonomy and they were respected through their choices. They were able to make informed decisions having all the education and information and the research behind what they were choosing. And they were able to have um, a voice to say what Mm. they want. And when they have all those aspects, they're able to have that positive birth experience. So I try to explain to them that there's absolutely no kind of guilt for wanting the things that they want. Because I feel sometimes, um, you know, we share all these Instagram accounts showing these kind of amazing births and we're only showing kind of a snippet of, of a birth that might've been 30, 40 hours. And we're only showing Mm -hmm. like a five minute video of like the most empowering, beautiful bits. But there was a lot of bits where moms hit a wall and dads needed a break and, you know, it was getting too much and, and, you know, lots of fluids coming out and lots of things that, you know, they didn't expect, you know, was coming out of their body. And they, you know, they were having maybe moments where they've had kind of crisis of confidence and things like that. And that's okay too. And I think that we need to start showing that to be realistic. Yes, Not, I totally yeah. agree. And okay, so let's actually take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about expectations because I think you hit something that like we see these stories on Instagram and immediately we can have these expectations, mm-hmm. which I think are can be problematic. So, yeah. okay, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. That's where we're going. Okay, so we're back. So expectations. Ah, I feel like I totally get that because my own first birth was 42 hours and I was not expecting that. I mean, this is what I do. You know, I'm I'm a childbirth educator as a doula. This is my world. So my expectations were kind of shot. So something I tried to tell my prenatal students is to think about birth as a river that can't be pushed, but we need to let it flow. And as someone who loves control. Um, that, is not, that is not so easy. So how do you help your clients 
to surrender that desire for control and relinquish these set expectations that either they get from social media or just in their own mind? Um, well, first of all, I, I've been teaching hypnobirthing um, for many years. And I actually found early on when I was teaching hypnobirthing that a lot of women were not having the hypnobirthing births that they were expecting. And so a lot of them actually turned out to be quite traumatic. And in speaking to these women, I was kind of looking, well, why did they find it so traumatic? Like they've done all the kind of previous learning and kind of, they really invested a lot into the mind body connection and things like that. And why are they still walking away feeling traumatic? And the common theme was that, like you said, their expectations were not realistic. And so we can we can't guide women to think that birth is only allowed to look a certain way. And, and I think these women kind of set these expectations, expectations of like, if only the pain doesn't reach this level, if Mm -hmm. only I don't scream, if only I don't have an epidural, if only this, if only that, and then they walk away from their birth going, well, I had an epidural, so the birth has gone to shit. And you know what I mean? Like there's no point looking back on it and thinking it was a positive experience. And so they're walking away from these experiences going, um, I now have birth trauma because I so believe that I could do it and I didn't, you know what I mean? And I think one of the biggest things and the most important, valuable things that I do with clients is set them the correct expectations of like birth is unpredictable there are certain things that we can control in birth and that's what we need to work on now. And we need to surrender to the things that we can't. Mm. I mean, so it's really important that, for example, um, like dads, especially watch birthing videos to see how a woman, a woman moves and sounds and, um, how a, a dad supports her in labor. So how the partner is supporting each other in labor and things like that so that they can get a realistic view of what that would look like and what that woman would sound like, because she's not going to be the same woman that's next to you right now. You know what I mean? Um, that's when they, like, I've seen that the more the partners get involved, no matter who the birth support is, you know what I mean? It could be her friend. Um, it could be her hubby. It could be anybody, you know what I mean? Like the more the partners get involved, the more that the birth goes well, because they are comfortable with the experience and they're not holding back in terms of thinking that they want to save that woman. You know what I mean? So there's a quite a big difference between, sympathizing for the woman or empathizing for that woman. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so if they start sympathizing for her, they're starting to feel like, oh, you know, she's tired. I want to save her. I can't see her like that anymore. But that's coming from their own kind of fears. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they empathize for her, yes, they feel, they see her tired. They feel her pain, but they're wanting to help her get through it. And yeah. that makes a huge difference for how they... I- I remember doing some births where the partner, they Mm -hmm. always meant well. And I told, I love how you're saying the difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the partner's anxiety about what they're seeing, they're seeing their loved one in a very different mindset. And like you said, making sounds and moving their body and not the person that they see on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen some partners not meaningly kind of sabotage things. I'd be like, are you sure you don't want the epidural? And it's not that they mean to, but it becomes, it comes from a place of not sure what else to do. And so I love that you're saying, look at videos, see what birth Mm -hmm. looks like. So when it's in front of you, 
it's not scary and you recognize that this yeah. is actually a normal part of yeah. an unmedicated birth. So I love how you use videos yeah. that way. Yeah. It's super smart. And it's not the unknown, you know what I mean? Like when they're walking to that, if you think, you know, kind of partners only came into the birth space, if you think in like the 1960s, late 1960s, 1970s, yeah. and they don't know anything to do about like anything to do with labor. They really have not had that kind of instinctive primal knowing, you know what I mean? Cause right. women are always guided by other women. And so we need to give them a bit more education and we need to support them. And sometimes all it takes for me at a birth is just to give a dad a high five and kind of go, yeah, she's sounding amazing. And then he's got that reassurance of like, oh, okay, that's, it's okay. This is right. This is normal. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So let's circle back to, before we even get to the videos, the importance of childbirth education. So yeah. what do you want to say about that? Yeah. Um, I think it's paramount to the experience. Um, I think that the childbirth education that most parents get at the hospital is um, not at all sufficient enough for what parents need to know. And it really focuses on policies, procedures, and the pharmacological menu of options they've got available to them, which I don't think is what mothers need to to kind of see or hear at that point in time. I think they need to be educated on that, but not just that. Um, at a recent birth, I went to just here at a hospital, um, at just a local hospital here. I, I went after the mom had the baby, I went to the um, cafeteria just to get her something to like the snack area just to get her something to eat and um as I was walking the hallway there was a painting of a uh, kind of a well-known obstetrician just holding forceps and it was and I was thinking to myself like they do tours through that hospital and I was thinking to myself what what would I as a mother expecting a baby would feel when I'm walking the corridors of this hospital and they're kind of memorializing this photo, like this painting of this doctor holding forceps that wouldn't make me feel all giddy inside to go, Oh, I can't wait for that to come inside of me. You know what I mean? Like it would just not make me feel good. And so I'm thinking we need to change the scene for women. We need to start kind of, again, even normalizing it in the hospital with the education that they're getting to show women in their full power, you know, being really primal and being on the floor, you know, being kind of in active birth positions and like really kind of embracing the kind of the primal women that we are when we birth. And so when it comes to education, it's really subpar at the hospital. They're not giving you what you need. And so I think you need to get independent childbirth education, whatever that is. And so, and mm-hmm. with that, I think comes kind of the, the education behind what happens in the woman's body when she goes into labor. Like what are the hormones? Why are the hormones so important? How can I make the hormones, um, even more so work in my benefit rather than inhibit what's happening. And also kind of thinking about how the, our mammalian brain works and thinking about, um, you know, we are just like any other mammal. Like we need darkness. We need to feel mm-hmm. unobserved. We need to feel safe. We need to have people around us who trust us. So I really kind of focus about, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with in labor? And a lot of women kind of tick off the list of like, well, I've done the acupuncture, I've done the hypnobirthing, I've done the osteo, um, 
I've done, you know, my meditation every day and all that. And they always kind of sometimes miss the missing link, which is oxytocin. Well, are you feeling relaxed? Are you feeling loved? Are you surrounding yourself with people who believe in you? Because you're not going to go into labor when you're not feeling those things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So because they're trying to kind of, especially in the later stages, because we have such a high induction rate, they're trying to go into labor with any method, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that doesn't work if you don't feel safe. And to feel safe, you need to feel lots of oxytocin. And so I think that's what they learn in the classes. They learn what's valuable, what's important. How do I bring labor on uh, naturally in terms of allowing my hormones to do what they need to do? What are the stages of labor in terms of what would my body go through, through through these stages? And exactly setting the expectation of like, yes, birth can be 40 hours, but it doesn't mean 40 hours of active labor. It mm-hmm. means that you might have gone to sleep that night and you might have felt some twinges here and there and you are still able to walk, talk, read a book, you know, have a full on conversation with someone, you're able to eat, you're able to, you know, vocalize your wants and needs. And yes, when it does get more intense, it's probably going to be what, six to 12 hours of intense labor, but it's not 40 hours that you're, you're always in 40 hour labor of intense pain. Mm-hmm. And what do you do when you reach that stage? What do you have as your comfort measures? All of that is important as part of your independent childbirth education to get those tools so that if you do reach the stage where you need something extra, not only you know what to do, but your partner knows what to do for you, which is really Yeah, important. I totally, totally agree. And I love that you're really putting such an emphasis on childbirth education because if we look at the hormones, mm-hmm. if someone doesn't have that base knowledge of childbirth ed and mm. an understanding of what's normal, what's not normal, then the fear is going to come up. And we know if we're talking yeah. hormones, when yeah. that adrenaline rises, yeah. the oxytocin just can't compete. It's just yeah. going to be problematic. So I really appreciate your very strong grounding approach of childbirth that I yeah. wholeheartedly agree. So I want to circle a little bit back to birth partners and how I mentioned sometimes they can be yeah. um, not always on board. And I've found yeah. that sometimes I see some of them kind of like smiling, but like, okay, this is what we're doing, but not really there. Yeah. How, what are your suggestions if a birth partner is having a hard time getting on board of the birth plan or if they just don't have a lot of confidence in, in birth? Because like you said, they haven't necessarily been yeah. brought up around it and it's not necessarily as instinctual for some folks. Mm. Um, I've had a few couples where um, the partners didn't want to kind of attend sessions and things like that. And I always say to the moms, if you're going to have that person in your birth space, they need to attend the sessions with you. And that's really, really important, not only for getting the education, but also getting a sense of how to be able to support you in labor because they are the one that you trust the most. So um, when I do have sessions and I feel like the partners are not totally on board, I actually am quite honest and frank with them. And I say to them, listen, you need to, you need to be honest with me of of what's holding you back because sometimes it just might be their own insecurities. And sometimes it might just be that what they don't know is scaring them. And so we kind of work through what is, what is initially not drawing them to know more. What is it um, that is kind of holding them back might be from their own birth history. So usually I I find most of the time it's from something that's happened to either a sibling or like to their mothers in their mother's stories of their own births and things like that. And sometimes it's a real fear of what's going to happen. So 
what I find is the more that they attend the sessions, the more that they become educated, you find that they're the biggest advocate Mm. for natural birth and for the physiological experience. And I've had dads that have been completely not on board, but once they kind of know what goes into it and they kind of see the videos, they get the education, they, we talk about even the, the kind of technical things of like, what are the birth preferences and what might be offered in the hospital for her? And what are your options with that? And talk about the evidence behind all those things. They are the biggest, biggest advocates by the end of the day. So I think it all comes from a sense of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's comes from a sense of not knowing and thinking that, you know, they probably think you know, women do this every day. Why do I need to be a part of this? This is women's business. But at the end of the day, I always tell women, if you reach a point in labor where you've hit a wall, you will be scouring that room for your weakest link, the person that you want to save you. And that will be your partner. You know what I mean? And you want to look at him. And when you say, because usually when women hit a wall, they'll say, I want an epidural. I can't do this anymore. And you want him to say to you something that will empower you and not just something that will save you at that moment. You're looking for help, but not help in a way of just get me the anesthetist. You're looking for help as in, you need to say something to me because you know me best. And I teach them what would that be? Like we talk about what would that be? It will be something that's going to be very personal to you from your own life experiences. And you have to know that you're going to be the one that's going to be there for her in that moment. She's going to be looking to you to save her from what's going on, but not to save her as in get her pharmacological pain relief, to save her as in to lift her up and walk this journey along with her. And you need to learn how to do that. And so they really get on board to see how much kind of involvement they need to actually be in, in in terms of helping her through the birth. And when they see that they're not just a bystander to it all, they actually want to get quite involved. It really does kind of do a complete flip around to how they, they want to help the mother through labor. That's beautiful. Now I've seen some couples together that it's just astonishing. Like you can just see the partnership yeah. And the support and the holding the space for the person laboring and just the mm-hmm. reverence for like, look what you're doing. I think yeah. it's really some of these images that reflect back in my mind are absolutely beautiful. Mm. So what are some ways that people can mentally prepare for the unpredictability of birth? Because let's face it, no matter what kind of birth plan you set out for, yeah. Yeah. there's a very strong chance that the majority of it will not happen as envisioned as we talked about. Yep. Um, well, during kind of pregnancy, I talk to them about, again, like what's their ideal experience. And then I have them start kind of visualizing their birth a little bit. And I ask them if they're quite visual people and they, and we talk about what that would look like. And I actually say to them, I want you to kind of visualize the birth, um, of what you want as though you're watching a movie. You know what I mean? I want you to be really kind of very concrete with what goes into your mind and think about like the scene as though you're watching a movie, what you're wearing, what the weather is like, what the smell in the room is like, what you're sounding like. And I really want you to connect to how you're feeling. And I say to them, and when you've got these visualizations, I want you to think about if anything comes up as a what if, I want you just to take that that kind of what if out of your mind for right now. And so the more that they become kind of 
entrenched in kind of that visualization, they kind of build a secure kind of home for what they're wanting in their minds. And the mind doesn't know the difference between reality or not. So they think they've already been in that picture. And then once we kind of unravel that, and usually after I see them for a couple of sessions, they kind of go, yeah, but I'm, I'm having a big fear about this or that. And I say that that's okay. You know, you don't have to go into birth without fear. Like it's about just not letting that fear take a hold of you. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of talk them through and say, well, listen, you know, there are certain things that we can control in labor and there's certain things that we can't. So we talk about the things that we can control, such as let's, you know, have your birth preferences written up in terms of what you want and what you don't want. We can control what goes into your mind if things happen that kind of stray out of plan. So thinking about like, if you reach a point that you want pain relief, that's okay. What will that look like? And what will I I say to myself that if I do need that extra pain relief on board, you know, not having the expectation that if I do get that, that I failed in any way. And then we talk about what would a cesarean look like? And we drop even a cesarean birth preferences so that even if it does go down that path, what would that look like then? So that they've got all their kind of, um, plans like plan A, plan B, plan C, all kind of mapped out. And then when the birth comes, they're not feeling like it's out of their control. So we're kind of working, you know how they do kind of um, like the serenity prayer, like, Mm -hmm. you know, have, give me the courage to know what I can, cannot change and give me the wisdom to kind of accept it basically. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's basically that it's about kind of working through what am I able to change what can I have no control over and kind of accepting the outcome for what it is. As long as I've had that support, I've had that autonomy, I've had that respect, I've taken care of everything, every eventuality that can happen. Now I need to just let go and cease the control that I'm holding on to. Because if I keep on holding on that control, I'm actually going to be holding on to my baby and not able to let that go. You know what I mean? So it's about teaching them how to do that and teaching them that the expectation in that holding on to something can actually obstruct their labor and create more adrenaline in being able to kind of let that go. Like I've been in, I've supported women through highly medicalized births, um, uh, because they needed to for certain medical conditions and things like that. And they still walk away and go, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like I've had the most, the most positive experience ever because they, they had that preparation ahead of time. You know, they had that kind of expectation ahead of time. Right. And for them, it wasn't, they had a certain idea of what they wanted and it didn't have to meet kind of an idealized version. Yeah. They had whatever someone wants. Like you said, they're respected, they have autonomy, mm-hmm. and then that can lead to a more positive birth experience. But it was interesting as you were saying something in that last question, it made me think about your first kind of wrap going back to what you said about your first birth experience of the holding on mm. that when we have that something in us that isn't ready to let go, yeah. then that can obstruct how we, how we birth. So kind of throwing it back to mm. the original conversation that we started about your own birth stories. What do you think your biggest lesson was then from your own personal birth experience with your children? Um, for me, I think my biggest lesson is that, um, I think I didn't have as much kind of reverence for the power of women and in from my own personal power, I think that I didn't think I was capable of what I did. And even with my last birth, she was actually my longest birth because she was posterior. And um, mm. it was quite a challenging, mentally challenging labor for me. And yet I still did it with just 
again, focusing on what was going on in my, in my mind. And I remember even with her birth in terms of that control and that expectation, um, we were living up at the hinterland, um, in the Gulf coast, which is all kind of like got mountains and mountains and like one way roads everywhere. And I remember when we moved up there, when I was pregnant, my worst nightmare was to actually be stuck behind a truck going five kilometers an hour when I'm in labor. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And so I remember as, cause I was in labor for quite a while with her. And I remember as we were going down the mountain and my husband was driving, my doula was in the passenger seat and I was in the back, like in full labor, like feeling like I need to push her. And I said to my doula and my husband, make sure they get the epidural ready. And no one was saying anything back to me. And I remember thinking at that point, I'm fighting the pain. I'm fighting the pain. I need to let go. I just need to just surrender to it. And again, like when I said surrender, it felt like I was riding the waves rather than fighting my body. And it's Mm. just this big shift that happened in my body. It suddenly wasn't as painful as what I expected it to be anymore because I wasn't fighting my body anymore. And so the biggest kind of lesson for me in all of my births is that I have so much control with my mind. Like I have this biggest tool and that's what I kind of talk with couples about. It's like your biggest tool you've already got. It's your mind. Like birth is 95% mind. Like everything that you do and everything that how you handle the pain, how you handle everything that happens within your body and how you kind of even move throughout your, your labor is controlled by what's going on in your mind. And so I teach them to kind of work with that rather than against it. That makes so much sense with your background with hypnobirthing, which is a lot about mm-hmm the mind. Yes. And I call it changing the channel that if the mind is going one way, that's not helping you. That's creating more panic. We need to change the channel. And I know there's a lot of practice in hypnobirthing. Um, so it's just interesting hearing, hearing your reverence for the power of the mind. And as a yoga teacher, I have a lot of reverence for it. The quiet mind and, and as well as the body and how they work together. There's really quite the connection. Mm. Wow. I've so enjoyed this. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? We'll be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, we're back. So ooh, you, I feel like you can go from anything. I mean, we're talking about preparing for a positive birth. You can use something from that maybe I didn't ask about that. Or you have three kids. You've been a doula and a childbirth educator. So what, I'm curious to see what you're going to, where you're going to pull from for, for this question. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest tip I can say is, um, pick wisely in terms of the people you surround yourself in birth, um, that can have a huge influence on in how you birth and make sure that whoever you pick in your space is someone that will uplift you and take, make sure that they kind of 
remind you of your power. You know what I mean? Like I remember in all of the experiences that I had, women can be kind of mega prepared in terms of everything that they've done in pregnancy. And it only takes one person in the room to discount what they're feeling and to discount where they're at. You know what I mean? So like I, I kind of bring it back to, um, when I had my second baby, I actually had my mom come over from Israel to, to be with me, um, after the birth and to kind of help me with the kids and things like that. And my mom is, is an amazing, amazing woman. Um, but she's very neurotic in terms of like birth and she doesn't, she doesn't have the same philosophy of birth as I do. And so when I went into labor with my second, she was in the house um, and she kept asking me, uh, are we ready to go to the hospital? Are we ready to go to the hospital? What are you feeling? What are you feeling? And I felt that it was obstructing what I was doing and it was obstructing what was going on in my mind and the, the, the all the work that I've done. I was now in this very, very vulnerable spot of being really suggestive, you know what I mean? To what people around me were kind of feeling and, and the anxiety in the room and the tension. And I didn't get that from my husband. My husband was like so believing in what was happening, but she was giving me this doubt of like, you need to go in, you need to go in, even though I knew that instinct instinctively that my body wasn't ready yet. And so I actually rang my sister up who was living um, close by and I said to her, you need to get her out of the house because I'm not going to the next stage because of her. And so even though her intentions were, were well, it was, it was her own fears that were brought on to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have yeah. those fears. I've worked on those fears. And, and that's why I kind of say it's so important who you have with you in the room you might have, you choose to have your mom or your sister or a friend or your partner, or sometimes I've had women who've actually even chosen not to have their partner there because their fear is overwhelming. So having that correct and that right person in that room will speak paramounts for how you birth, you know? So thinking who is the obstetrician, who's the midwife, where am I birthing? It will have a huge influence on how you birth your baby because you will reach points in your labor where you are totally vulnerable. You've hit points that you never thought you'd hit before. And you say things that you never thought you'd say before. You might have a big cry. You might be just completely into unfolding bits of yourself that you never knew existed. And then are you looking at these people to support you? And are you seeing that support back? And that's really, really important. So I think it's one of the most valuable and important things you need to consider in labor. I totally, absolutely agree. Wow. We are very aligned and that's that's so refreshing. (laughs) Where can people find your work? Okay. So, um, I've got my website, which is two life.com.au and I'm on Instagram as two life doula with a number two. Um, and yeah, usually I post on, uh, Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there and you can just private message me and yeah, that's pretty, pretty much it. Thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I think also because so much of what you said, I'm just like grinning and shaking my head. I'm like, yes. So it um, <laughs> it makes it easy. So thank you for your time. I know with you being in Australia and me being here on the East Coast in New York, we had to find it work, but we did. And this was just lovely. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg.
Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.